Lise Wilcox is a professional human and real-life adult who helps women find clarity in what they want, confidence in who they are, and the courage to stay true to both. This is a conversation with Lise. She is absolutely incredible. She's a passionate speaker, writer, coach, podcast host herself, a taco enthusiast, and a mom of three. And we get into all of the things. She also practices something that she calls emotional alchemy. So I will let her tell you all about that. I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Here is Lise Wilcox. Welcome to the Around the Campfire podcast. They say it takes a village to raise a child, but I believe it also takes a village to raise a mom. I'm your host, Jillian Benke, the founder of Mom Camp. In each episode, I chat with busy moms who are doing awesome things in life and work. Join us for real conversation and community because this is your village. This is the Around the Campfire podcast. Lise, thank you so much for being on Around the Campfire. I am so honored and so happy to have you here today. It is my pleasure, and Around the Campfire is one of my favorite places to be. <laughs> excellent, excellent, perfect. <laughs> well, maybe one day we can actually be Around the Campfire together in person. I love that. Awesome. So can we start off by you introducing yourself for those the people that might not have heard of you before and heard your story? Can you tell us a bit about you, your life, and, and really your story? You bet. Um, I introduce myself as a professional human. <laughs> um, I love that. <laughs> you know, it's such an encompassing catch-all for everything that I do. I am primarily um, a speaker, a coach, a writer, I'm a mom, I do social influencing, really all the things that I'm really good at and that I'm really passionate about is all blended into this one really cool hybrid of a work-life blend. Uh, and really, I, that's why I start, started to call myself a professional human. Um, I, have a, I have a focus in really helping women find uh, clarity in what they want confidence in who they are and the courage to stay true to both of those things. So any Mm -hmm. and every platform on which I show up, that is my mission to really shape that process uh, and experience uh, for the women who, um, who are part of this community. Amazing. Amazing. Okay. So professional human, but I've also heard you refer to yourself as an emotional alchemist. Can you explain a little bit about that? (laughs) Yeah. Emotional alchemy is this process that I like to refer to. um, And I really think that's how we live, you know, an emotionally healthy life. So for me, what it means is taking these experiences in our life that we've had that have been dark and heavy and are really weighing us down. And we kind of flip this mental, this emotional switch, and we start to see every single experience that we've had. We see the gift uh, for how it informed our life and see how it shaped our experience to get us here. And in doing so, we transform that experience and we really start to make it our own. We're really able to um, to alter it into something that's really beautiful and light and something that is a positive part of our experience as opposed to something that's really a burden or weighing us down to our past. 
I love that. I love that. And I know you, you are a breast cancer survivor. Yeah. I know that you've come through quite a few challenges. I just find that so inspiring that you've been able to do that for yourself. Um, what was that sort of moment where you figured out how to do that? Uh, I think I've done it for a huge part of my life without knowing it. Um, ah. you know, I tend to be a relentless optimist and, um, for me, it's just too hard and too scary to dwell in really negative things from the past. Like it makes a lot more sense mm. to me just as a really logical, um, Taurus, um, to just start <laughs> making sense of things. So, you know, that's, that's fine to do when you like just start to see the bright side about things, but to really next level it when you're going through major adversity, which I have been through major adversity. You know, I had, um, I've gone through a divorce, I've gone through breast cancer and the treatment for, for breast cancer included, you know, complete and total hair loss plus the removal of both breasts. So there's like, I've had some adversity <laughs> and, you know, <laughs> <Definitely>. we, <laughs> you can start to really, as I say, like go deeper with it. And you always have a choice how you respond to every single thing in your life. So when I really started to get aware and, um, or become aware of this process and really get real about it was when um, I came home from one of my oncology apartments really early into my cancer diagnosis days. I came home and I was like lying on my living room floor, just screaming, like screaming out, being like, how the hell am I going to do this? Like, how the hell am I going to make this my own? The whole experience was really conflicting with my need to feel peace and comfort and beauty. And it was, it was like, I got this real spiritual answer. And it was like, you, you're going to do exactly that. You're going to make it your own. You are going to make it beautiful. And it was like, oh, 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 okay. That's what I'm going to do. And there was like a definite point of awareness for me where I, I decided that I was going to handle it differently. And I was going to take every single element of that experience and truly make it my own. Hell yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I've got goosebumps. I'm just, <laughs> yeah. Now I want to ask a question. And so for those women that haven't had trauma, mm -hmm. let's say, I mean, most people have been through some sort of trauma, some th sort of really challenging experience, mm -hmm. but what I'm hearing from moms lately, a lot recently actually, is is more just a sense of blah, right. if you will. They, um, especially working moms, they are being a super mom at home trying to do all the things. Mm -hmm. They are working their butt off at work trying to climb that corporate ladder. And then once all of that kind of peels away, they're not really sure what's left. Yeah. And I feel that people are, or moms specifically are losing their sense of self a little bit. Mm -hmm. And uh, how do you practice emotional alchemy mm -hmm. on that sort of meh feeling, mm -hmm. if you will, you know, that loss of sense of self or not being really sure who you are beyond work and mom? Well, I mean, that's an excellent question and it's a huge conversation because okay i'm going to try to answer this in a really succinct way but please bear with me i always say to my clients that my brain works in 3d but my mouth only moves in one dimension so i'm going to like awesome. answer it as succinctly as i can but it's it's going to 
take some spirally stuff to get us there. For sure. For sure. It's a big question. <laughs> I get it. Okay. So for starters, when we're looking at our children, we're very aware that there's like a natural chart to how, or there's like a natural um, predictability to how we can chart their development, right? Everybody's pretty comfortable mm-hmm. with that. Like we're very comfortable with child development about meeting certain milestones um, along the way. And for some reason, once our kids turn 19, we're like, okay, cool. Well, child development is done. And that's a fallacy. We, it's What we're really talking about is human development. And human development mm. does not stop. We continue to grow, evolve, and develop over the course of our entire lives. And part of that development happen when, when we're in our 30s, let's say, 30s and 40s. We, especially as women, we go through this milestone marker where we start to really question our own identity. And we really start to wonder, what is this all about? And, you know, that tends to coincide with these identity shifts that we have in getting married or um, in getting divorced, um, in having babies and choosing not to have babies, you know, that all kind of superimposes itself on, uh, onto one state of our human development. So suddenly it's like, it all collides and we are, we're left with this huge question of really like, who am I and what the hell am I doing here? Um, for a lot of women that I work with, a very common sentiment is, listen, I have been somebody's daughter. I have been somebody's wife. I have been somebody's mother. Who the hell am I? And when does my own mm-hmm. life begin? And that's, that's where I think this question really takes root and take, gets its legs is that at a certain point, we really have to get very clear on who it is we are exactly. And what is our identity when we remove all of these like masks and relationships to things that are outside ourselves? Who are we when it really comes to our core? And that's a pretty big question. It is. It's a huge question. And the other thing that I think folds into that, and I know I've experienced this, and I know I've talked to a lot of moms that have experienced this as well, is the the way at the exact same time you're describing in those sort of adult formative years, if you will, um, we tend to lose a bit of our network. Um, I know for me, when my kids got into school and we were no longer sort of coordinating play groups and things like that, uh, according to my schedule, and it was more about what the kids wanted to do after school, that the time I got to spend with other humans other than my husband really reduced. And I was spending too much time on social media Mm -hmm. and not enough time in person. So I kind of lost my village, Mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm. will. And I've heard that from so many people. So the fact that that coincides with this exact time Mm -hmm. where we're figuring out we don't truly know who we are beyond, you know, mom and work that that's fascinating. So how would you suggest we start trying to figure that out? So the shortcut is honestly asking yourself, what would bring me more joy right now? And, you know, I can almost Mm. hear people rolling their eyes and kind of scoffing at this for, uh, to a certain extent. And I have to say it again, like, this is the shortcut. You have to ask yourself, what would bring me more joy right now? I have, I have a solid theory that we never really grow up. 
I really think that we stay our childlike selves through our entire lifetime. We just wear bigger clothes and they give us mortgages and, you know, we have more complex social dynamics, but ultimately I really think we're all kids. And if you, if you just entertain that idea for a minute, you can close your eyes and just imagine back to your happiest moment as a child. Everybody can do that. Everybody can think of like, when was I happiest as a kid? And the first thing that comes to mind is going to bring you a lot of joy. So for me, for example, whenever I, whenever I've in the past, like really had to kickstart this process for myself and I've closed my eyes and I'm like, all right, what was my happiest moment? I'm immediately nine years old. I'm at sleepaway camp, which was called Camp Tanamacoon in Algonquin Park. And I can like feel myself in the woods at Camp Tan, just walking through. And so to me, it's like, okay, in that moment, I felt, I felt completely at peace, completely joyful, completely grounded. Um, So I know for me, being outside is going to help. Going to the lake is going to help. You know, that's like a really good place to start is that you go back through your own life experience and think, when did I feel free? When did I feel joyful and happy and, and, and totally at ease? Then you do that. And anybody who says, I can't, I don't have time to, needs to do one very, very simple and one very profound mindset shift to say, I don't prioritize that and I don't make time for that. Mm. None of us have time to do any of this. None of us do. Like nobody has time for anything. I promise you that. I'm, you know, I'm a single mom of three girls, including a set of twins. I'm self-employed. Like (laughs) I don't have time for anything. And the stuff that is really important to me, I prioritize and I make time for it. So you get to choose if you want to feel like crap all the time, or you get to choose (laughs) if you want to start having some joy and some pleasure and some levity in your life. That's entirely up to you, no matter who you are. And bringing more joy immediately to the moment is a great way of doing it. So not fast forwarding to like, well, you know, it would bring me more joy sitting on the beach with a margarita in my hand. Cool. Sure. But what would bring you more joy right now? And then you just do it. Exactly. It's not about, you know, packing and going on Expedia and booking your trip. It's about the the mini moments right now. Because that's all it is. Oh, I love that. I think for me, it's, it's getting to be surrounded by friends. You know, as soon as you said that I went back to nine years old and, and with friends and giggling and, you know, that's the stuff that we don't, I don't choose to make time for because I'm choosing to make time for everything else. But if I think about what gives me joy, that's really, that's really it. And and this really cool thing happens that once you start to infuse your life with more joy and you allow yourself to welcome it in and you allow yourself to receive pleasure in that way, everything gets easier and you will soften. Your life gets less serious as you start to appreciate the lighter moments. And then you can start to create more and more of them. So as soon as you like let yourself let go of just a teeny tiny bit of control and allow yourself to have a little bit more fun. It's like this expansive um, force that when you just allow a moment of it, it's like you give yourself permission to have more of it. And when you give yourself that permission to have more of it, that's when you start to be able to get focused on 
what are your priorities and how do you make this work uh, in a way that feels good for you? Not because somebody else told you this is what you have to do, but because this is legit what feels good for you. Okay. So how do you avoid the comparison trap? Because as soon as you said that, and the idea of, you know, sort of releasing perfection is what came to my mind. So um, being, you know, focusing on things on Instagram, for example, and the highlight reel and seeing everybody in their perfect, uh, their perfect lives. So quote unquote, perfect lives. Um, how do you get past that comparison and the need to feel like you need to do it all? And, um, that lack, that release of control. So, because it's, yeah, Um, no, I was going to say, I mean, here's a shortcut unfollow anybody who doesn't make you feel (laughs) joyful, anybody who makes you feel threatened or like you're not good enough, click delete. So easy. That's how how you take control of that. You know, you have to, again, this is, this is everybody's decision. You get to decide who you want to have in your life. You get to decide that. And the people that are there in your life, maybe it's an ex-partner or a mother-in-law or whoever it is, somebody that you don't necessarily get along with, but you know isn't going anywhere, you also get to decide how you let their behavior affect you and how how you're going to continuously Mm. behave in those relationships. Um, But everybody else, you have total authority over who is in your life and you just unfollow them. Um, on On a deeper level... I'm actually doing a, a keynote on like the myth of competition coming up very, very soon. And what's really mm. fascinating to me about competition is that it isn't necessarily a bad thing. And if you think about, um, if you think about our past, like forget all the, the human drama that we've created. If you strip all that back and you think of ourselves in our like most primal or animal ways, we are a pack animal, right? We are social creatures. So some of our tendencies to constantly compare ourselves, again, have these like genetic origins in needing to belong as part of the group, really needing Mm. social acceptance so that we don't die because it was like our social acceptance was really part of our survival. So some of the, some of the triggers that we have are some of the instances that trigger us into not feeling like we belong. Some of that takes its um, its origin story in in this genetic, this DNA component that our brain doesn't know the difference between our physical safety being at risk and our emotional safety being at risk, right? So some mm-hmm. of that comes from there. Competition is also something that drives us forward. It's an invitation when we see somebody who's doing something or getting something that we really want. It's an invitation to ourselves to be like, hey, look at that. She did it. She has that thing that I want. Man, how do I get that? And you can start to like reverse engineer your success from a place of like, all right, you know, I really look up to and respect this person. I can see that where she is currently is like my end game. So how do I start at the end and work my way back to where I am so that I too can experience that degree of success that I so desperately want? Where this gets like really slippery is that we start to, and I think mm-hmm. it's, I think it's kind of an excuse that people use, right? Like, well, I just compare myself too much to Instagram. Well, 
you don't have to. And if you do find you're getting right. those icky feelings of jealousy and resentment and anger and, and lack, then I would really encourage you to go deeper with it and, and allow yourself to ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? Like, where does this feeling come from? And even bigger and even better is what story am I telling myself? When you're really clear on the story mm-hmm. that you're telling myself or yourself, you know, if the story is, well, when I see her getting what she wants, it tells me I am not good enough and I will never be worthy of getting what I want. Then you can start to ask yourself, is that true? And you get to this like really healing place of, of being able to separate the trigger from the response and really get through to the reality that you're experiencing. Oh, absolutely. I, it's so, it's interesting. I am an unfollow machine. (laughs) I do unfollow anybody, but it took me, it took me a while to get there and it had to become a conscious thing because it's sort of insidious, you know, you, you want, like you say, I mean, that's why marketing works. You want what they have, you want what they've achieved or you, so you think if you buy that same sweater, then you'll get closer to it. And, and so it's absolutely not true at all. And so you, it's, but like I say, it's insidious and it kind of seeps in and you don't realize you're doing it until you're in a funk and you've sort of gone down this rabbit hole of comparison. And so when I kind of got to that point, I thought, well, this isn't making me feel better. This isn't making me feel good about myself and I'm just going to stop. And so I unfo- I unfollowed. I got really good at just scrolling right. past and not digging in. And it made a huge difference, but it takes that conscious recognition mm-hmm. that it's actually affecting you in that way. And I think we can just sort of, we can just, you know, slide by it and not realize that's what's yeah. actually happening to us until we're, we're down in those, you know, trenches of not yeah. feeling good enough, feeling scarcity, yeah. feeling lack. Right. So it's, it's making that conscious effort. Well, to do the and, it, and it's so worth the effort because you got to think that the person oh, you yeah. spend the most time with throughout your entire life is you. So if you're waking up and the first thing you're doing is reaching for your phone and the first thing you see on your phone is messages that that you're internalizing as oh congratulations once again you're a failure once again you're not good enough right. look at you but you wish your life was like this like if that's what you are choosing to invite into your life you are choosing to keep like perpetuate this really unhealthy relationship with yourself. Right. And, and, and things like that are so easy to change. People think it's so hard. It's so easy. It's just a matter of deciding that this is no longer how you want to spend your life. You know, I sometimes get messages and this always cracks me up. Um, I sometimes get messages from people being like, Hey, I noticed you unfollowed me. I just want to ask, like, what did I do wrong? And I'm just like, that is the most insecure thing you could ever do. Because for somebody to, for yeah. someone to know that you've unfollowed them, it means they've gone to the app store, they've downloaded an app that gives them a notification when somebody is unfollowing them. Right. That is like next level insecurity. <laughs> I oh didn't yeah, those apps that's how people get notification oh. that you're no longer following them. It doesn't, okay. it's like a, not a natural okay. feature built into Instagram. Right. And so for me, it's like, honey, like if you have, if you feel this compulsion that you need that app to tell you when somebody's leaving your life, 
we need to have a different conversation. How's your emotional health? How's Uh your emotional wellness? How can I support you right now? You know, like it gets so much bigger. So you got to think that I'm like totally rambling here. The 3D thing is really out of it's really out of control for me. <laughs> I love it. My point is, I love it. It's very very easy. The hardest part is just deciding that you want to do things differently, and that's where all the dissonance comes from. Comes from yeah. a psychological level and a like a spiritual level. If you decide you want to do things differently in your life, that's the hardest part is just deciding to follow through in that. And everything else is actually a lot easier than people think it will be. It's so true. I mean, I went through that when I went through my, I guess I call it weight release or weight loss journey um, after our daughter was born. And so I was just not happy in my body. It it wasn't about a number. It was about not feeling good, about having lots of aches and pains, not being able to breathe properly, all of that. And and I had tried so Mm. many times before I had done every diet. And it wasn't until I made that decision that I didn't want to feel like that anymore. And I thought I'd made that decision in the past, but I hadn't. It was a real turning point and a conscious decision that I am done. And, you know, even lately, I've been kind of slipping back into some old ways. And and just this past week, even, I thought, you know what? No, Mm -hmm. this is it. I don't Mm -hmm. want to feel like this anymore. And it's the same thing. And it's similar to to what I went through when I decided to start unfollowing people and avoid the scroll hole, (laughs) as I call it. You know, it it has to be that conscious decision. And it takes a while Mm -hmm. to get there. And you might sort of write it on your vision board or put it on your to-do list or state some affirmation and say you're doing it. But until you actually, actually make that decision, it's it's not necessarily going to stick with it. You, you have, have to, you have to ready. keep coming and, back and to it, right? One of the things that, well, this little hack that helps people determine whether or not they're ready is really asking why, like getting very clear on why you're mm-hmm. doing this and what, what is the overarching goal or what is the purpose, right? And, you know, you can do this in real life too, that just start to observe how you feel in relation to other people because, you know, you use that example of when, um, like what would make, what would bring you more joy? You flash back to being a nine-year-old kid, just giggling with friends. You know, those friends in your adult life, you know, the ones that you spend time with and you leave and it feels like you are just lighter than air. It's like you skip home. You don't have to drink. Like you just feel so good and so joyful leaving their company. You also know the people that you're like, Oh, it's Tuesday. I have to go see this person. Or I don't really want to go to this party, but I said I was going to go. So I guess I better go. And then you leave and you feel higher anxiety or you feel like you're just totally drained. You have to observe those feelings Mm -hmm. in relation to each person that you're with, because that your body is giving you feedback constantly on, on how you're doing and how you feel. And when you have the courage to really acknowledge that and follow through with that, you, again, you start to curate this happier life with only people that really, really make you feel like yourself. Does that make sense? What? It totally makes sense. And I, it really speaks to me actually. And, but I asked the question now, how would you, how would you address those that 
um, don't like the changes you're making <laughs> or <Yeah>. aren't, <laughs> aren't the people that you've decided yeah. to curate and I mean, keep into your paradox. life. That's um, the paradox is that yeah. everything in our life that, um, like everything exists in a balance, right? And so as we go through these changes in our life and as we make these decisions um, to improve ourselves, to improve our lives, to, to shift our focus, to really be truer to ourselves and please other people less, there is a cost and it sucks. There's no, there's no sugarcoating that it sucks, but there is a certain point in your life where you have to decide, you know, what's more important, the way that you feel or the way that mm-hmm. others around you are feeling towards you. And if you, again, come back to that question of like, why am I doing this? Well, I'm doing this because I feel like crap and I want to feel emotionally well. I want to be, my life is busy and I want to be able to show up fully for my kids. I want to be able to show up fully for myself, for my partner, for my uh, for my work. And I can't do that when I'm spending this negative energy around people that I don't particularly like and with whom I feel like crap when I'm with that becomes not worth it. And yeah, yeah. I'd love to, I'd love to tell you that you could just go up to people and be like, listen, <laughs> we've had a great friendship, but I really don't get along with you anymore. I think our paths are going different ways. It's been real. <laughs> Shake your hand. I'll see you later. In my mind, that's actually yeah. how it should work. It should be like that up front. Be like, listen, we had a great run. Totally. Thanks for the good times. I wish you well. It usually doesn't work like that, right? If anybody's ever been through a breakup, you know it usually doesn't work like that. Uh, and yeah. and there is just right. a certain amount of of loss that comes with it. And again, that's just those are just the facts. So you're left with this. Okay, how am I going to choose to navigate that? How am I going to let that affect me? You know, when you're doing what you need to do for the greater good. And that is like for your emotional health, for the emotional health of your family, et cetera, for your energy, um, then you're not doing the wrong thing. It might, it might not be easy, but it can still be the right thing to do. And that has to be your driving force. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I went through it a couple of years ago when I turned 40 and I, I got super empowered by turning 40. It was just like, I decided to own 40. And when I was planning my birthday dinner, I decided I wanted to have only those people there that I felt loved me as much as I loved them and that made me feel real joy. And I, it was the first time I'd ever done it. I am a a lifelong (laughs) people pleaser. And I have just always wanted to be liked Mm -hmm. and belong. And that has been a driving force for me. And so to make that conscious choice was Mm -hmm. empowering Mm -hmm. and terrifying. And it actually had a ton Mm -hmm. of blowback on me and blowback. I wasn't Mm -hmm. even aware of for a while. And, um, I lost some friends over it and nobody ever Mm -hmm. asked me why, uh, nobody ever, it just, it, it went kind of bad and it took me now probably yeah. a year after that. I'm now a couple of years past that to recover and re-understand why yeah. I had made that decision in the first place. And the very fact that I got that blowback showed me that I'd made well, the right exactly. decision in the first place. Um, but it's, it's so interesting because God, it's hard, it's hard to be it's a human. This, the human experience, <laughs> it, like the Buddhist got it right. It is suffering. Like it is suffering. Yeah. And it's constant 
adaptation to how you're well, going to make it your own and how you're going to learn from it and how you're going to um, be okay with it in a way that makes you feel free. Right. Cause I think that's, that's the purpose is like, how do I feel, how do I feel free? That how do I it. feel the most, like my most genuine self? How do I stay the truest to myself? Well, unfortunately, sometimes, and I would argue a lot of the time when you are getting very clear on what it is that makes you tick, who you are, like who is your, your genuine identity and your, your like, pardon me, your like most authentic self, it comes with the loss. And even when you're given the confirmation from people who don't understand that, like what they're really showing you is that you are a mirror for them, reflecting changes back to them that they don't necessarily mm. want to deal with, or they're just not ready to. It doesn't mean that they're not ever going to be ready to, but in that moment in time, they're just not ready to see that vision of themselves reflected back. And it makes them angry because it makes them feel afraid. Now, I can tell you the psychology behind it, but I will also tell you, having been through that same experience, <laughs> it really hurts. Like having, losing friends yeah. really hurts. Losing people who you thought were close to you and that you thought were going to, you know, go through this whole lifetime together with you and you had plans together. When, when you become aware that that is not true, that that was just an illusion, it really, really hurts. And still, it doesn't make it wrong for you to pursue what is the right thing for you to pursue. It's so true. It's so true. It's God. It, when you say human development never stops yeah. and we're all still kids, <laughs> yeah. it's so true. It? I mean, half the time, <laughs> half the time at work, I feel like I'm making stuff up anyways. And then I look around <laughs> me and I realize that everybody is. Oh, actually. totally. So, and the one, some know. people are just faking it better than others. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I do feel like we're always growing up and mm -hmm. we're always figuring it out. It's, it's just, it's so interesting. And, but you really have to do what we can to be as conscious as possible yeah. all the time yeah. to bring it back to, I'm doing this for a reason yeah. and this is what's right for me. Right. Yeah. And there's such a, it, it's like a, a perceived fine line between being selfish and doing the right thing for yourself, right? Again, mm -hmm. the person that you spend the most time with for your entire life is you. So if there's one person you need to consist consistently please and honor and respect, it's the person looking back at you from the mirror. Like that is whose opinion matters the most. That is whose acceptance you need the most that is the person with whom you need to feel the deepest connection and the most intimate love mm. it's all you it's all inside of you and you know it's so much easier in the short term short term to keep looking outside of ourselves and you know as you said well maybe if i get that sweater i'll feel happier or maybe if we do go <laughs> we, we go on this vacation and we, and we do feel happier you know and it's like we get these like little dopamine highs of these hits of things that we bring into our lives to make us feel better. But if you are not at peace with yourself and you are not comfortable and at ease with who you are and where you are and the life that you're living, if it's in alignment with your values, if it's not like you're only going to get that peace and that freedom when you're very, very, very secure with yourself. And it's like, Oh, that, that is the truth. <laughs> Somebody that is the truth. <laughs> no, it's absolutely true. I mean, I, back before I started my weight loss journey, just to bring that yeah, example back yeah. again, I, I actually 
I, I believe I wasn't diagnosed, but I believe I was addicted to shopping. Oh, yeah. um, I was actually addicted to the acquisition of something yes. new because I thought a new piece of clothing yeah. would fix how I was feeling. Yeah. And so I was buying size 16, yeah. then size 18, then size 20, yeah. then size 22. And I was getting to the point where Elaine Bryant didn't have the clothes yeah. I wanted anymore in the sizes I, I wanted to be. And so I, that was part of my trigger for yeah. making the change is I thought these clothes aren't making me feel better. Yeah. And now I have a closet full of clothes in increasing sizes that aren't solving my problem. You know, it all, it's um, all a void, you know, so, right. It's like, yeah, it's, what you're talking about is this void and exactly. And the solution that that short-term solution that like, congratulations on becoming super aware of what you were doing because not everybody gets to that point or not everybody gets to that point and is ready to take action, right? Because that's the big, that's the big difference. But when we feel that void, when we don't feel completely at peace with ourselves, which most people don't, like it takes sometimes a lifetime to get there. Sometimes people don't get there in a lifetime. But when we become aware of, of having this void, we can start to look at what we're reaching for. You know, maybe it is mm -hmm. food that we're reaching for to fill up that void. Maybe it is shopping to fill up that void. Maybe it's booze. Maybe it's drugs. Maybe it's the wrong kind of sexual attention from the wrong person. Like there are all kinds of right. things that we reach for external to ourselves to put into our body to make us feel better. And as I said, like it is, it is you, you've experienced this too. It is that chemical high. It's like, oh, amazing. I do X. I feel why, but when you reach for that, it feels so good in the moment. You get that little quick hit of, of chemistry, but the next time you need mm -hmm. a bigger dose of it, right? So the next time you yeah. up level that and eventually you can't reach for anything that's, that's, that's big enough to feel, to fill that void and to fill that hole. And that's the real invitation as again, you've experienced in your own life to be like, Whoo. I think I need to make an internal change. I think the the real problem, mm -hmm. here, not problem, but the real red flag is that I don't feel good. And the only way that I can mm -hmm. feel good is to teach myself a different way of doing so that I can teach myself a different way of feeling, right? Absolutely. I mean, even now, if I find I'm spending a little bit yeah. too much time on Amazon yes. Prime, I, uh, <laughs> you know, I go, oh, okay, we're shopping for a reason. Let's oh, stop yeah. and just figure this well, out. And then you got to think too, <laughs> what am I trying to Seriously, not feel? You got to think too, that like one of the, it's another <laughs> paradox, but one of the great pleasures of our modern world is that we can kind of have anything that we want and we are really supported in keeping that void way open and very deep so that we can continue to reach for all kinds of other things that continue to line other people's pockets. And that's not a conspiracy theory. Right. This is how capitalism works. It's like, there is a problem. <laughs> I'm going to offer you a solution at a cost. It's like a pretty clever transaction, but nobody on a, on a bigger scale, nobody is really supporting you healing yourself emotionally, physically, spiritually, whatever it is, because whatever problem you think you have, somebody is right there to sell you a solution. And it's like a lot of those solutions, arguably most of them are very, very unhealthy and only exacerbate yeah. the problem. Oh, completely, mm -hmm. completely. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. Sorry. That was a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> everything is everything. It. It's all connected. It. So like, you, you can never talk about one thing in isolation, I don't think. <laughs> no, totally not. Totally not. Uh, okay. So I, I want to be really respectful of your time. And I just have a couple of other yeah. questions, if that's yeah. okay. Um, I, you mentioned balance mm. earlier and it's funny as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about today, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is, do you believe in balance? Because I, you know, it's one of those things that's talked about all the time where people say, oh, well, balance doesn't truly exist. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, something always has to give, but do you believe in balance and what does that mean? To I mean, you? for me, I have really created a life that feels like one blend, as I said, right? Like I, I mm. have this real blend of work and home and like, I never, um, I have a background in education. And when I was a Montessori teacher, I never understood how to compartmentalize least the teacher from least the woman. Like I just continuously showed up as myself. So this feels very natural to me to have this real blend. Um, what Mm -hmm. I'm really, uh, kind of obsessed with right now is this notion that nothing is linear. Like nothing is linear. Everything is a spiral our growth is a spiral, our healing is a spiral, like everything in our life is a spiral, but we keep demanding, we function in this linear way. So for me, I do, I feel Mm. like I have a pretty balanced life. And still, because of the spiral nature of it, man, there are things that happen where I'm like, ah, crap, like that just, uh, that kind of upset the balance. (laughs) But then, you know, I know how to weather that storm and we just kind of adjust to, uh, to even out that balance again, right? I don't think anything can exist in one perfectly balanced state because that's an unrealistic expectation. I also think that it's an unrealistic expectation to just let yourself off the hook and be like, well, balance doesn't exist. Therefore, I'm just going to live in the chaos because right. that for me, exactly. it feels like hell on earth. Like, I don't know how anybody can exist like that because that conflicts personally with my own values. I just, I can't function like that. So I'm constantly 100%. trying to achieve that balance and blend because, you know, spoiler alert, it brings me joy to feel balanced yeah. <laughs> and like blended in my life. And so if something feels out of whack, I've got to take a, like a, a moment of pause and be like, all right, what the hell's going on here? Like, how do I, how do I recalibrate my system and what do I have to let go of? Or what do I have to hang on more tightly to? Right. So Right. Yes, I think it exists. I think it's incredibly unique to each person. And I think there is a real mm-hmm. uh, need to redefine the expectation and even the definition of what does that mean to you? And people can do that. They can actually write out like, what would balance mean to me? What what would that, what would mm. success feel like in that area for me? And you can map that out what that would feel like compare it to your day-to-day life and be like, are these similar? Are they out of whack? Is there a way I can right. like, tweak one thing you're like a little chemist of your life right you're just like in there like adding a little bit of this taking away a little bit of that adding a little more flame over here just to create this like science lab that is your life to make it feel healthy and balanced for you specifically not not to anybody else exactly for you totally totally that's that's perfect (laughs) thank you I love that Um, so, uh, I believe that you are probably, and I don't want to make an assumption, but you believe in self care. And I was wondering what that looks like to you. Oh, that's a good question. Um, again, I don't know, maybe I'm biased with this. I'm a Taurus and, you know, I think it's, it's embedded into my own uh, personality persona. It's embedded into my own life. I am a 
I, I really value creature comforts. I love to feel comfortable. Mm. I like to feel at ease. So for me, uh, caring for myself really is honoring myself, which I tend to do naturally because I hate the feeling of things being out of whack. So, you know, we just, our family just got two kittens a little while ago and I, they love to play between 12 and one. I've been having a harder time sleeping <laughs> between 11 and one. So there's like this perfect storm where I am not getting enough sleep. Uh, it is on my radar that to really up the care for myself, I really should be having a nap every day, even for like 20 minutes. And I haven't mm. been able to carve that out for myself. It hasn't like hit that threshold where I'm like, okay, now you need to do this. <laughs> um, so yeah, I naturally tend to care for myself. And there are times when it just tips the scales where I, I'm making my career a priority over my self-care. And that's something that I still do balance out from time to time. I feel like that's just an ebb and a flow. Otherwise, for sure. myself for me really it, it, it is a constant check-in with are my values being met like am I honoring myself and what I really need and if not mm. care means okay then I like I start to talk to myself as if I were a kid okay what would make you feel more supported right now what would make you feel more at ease um because I uh my kids are with their dad every other weekend um there are some <laughs> there are some weekends where I honestly I honestly sit on the couch and I watch the office and that's it and and I'm nice. sometimes I meet myself <laughs> with this like are you kidding like do you know what you could be doing right now and I counter back with yeah I do know what I could be doing right now and I mm-hmm. very honestly I need to sit and do absolutely nothing for like 48 hours. So I'm pretty, pretty good about honoring it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. (laughs) That's great. Now, last official question. What is the biggest lesson you have learned as a mom? Ooh. Um, I think that would be, uh, that just as you, just as you think you have it figured out, like just as you're like, Whoa, (laughs) I've got this. Like I know totally what I'm doing. Something changes. That was, that was true in infancy in toddlerhood. It's true of early childhood and, you know, getting more meta about it. It's true in life. Like it's, it's like, this is our whole conversation that just when you think you have it figured out, life happens, the human experience happens and something becomes unbalanced. And so you recalibrate and you figure it out again. But I think that's what gave me I think that's what gave me a lot of freedom in my own parenting and allowed me to let go of my own old pattern of really needing to control everything was just appreciating that like, I'm not in control here. You know, like I am a guide for my kids' lives. Like I facilitate their experience to this life um, and I'm going to do the best that I personally can do. And that necessitates me making certain choices for me and for them. Um, but ultimately just when you think you have it figured out, something changes and you have to just adapt. Love it. <laughs> Absolutely love it. Yeah. Somebody said to me once when we had our firstborn that you only get handed what you can handle in the moment. Yeah. yeah. And then once you figured that out, you get handed some more. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but there yeah. have been moments for me where I'm like looking up at the sky being like, all right. <laughs> like you win. <laughs> this is, this is yeah. it. Like no more. And then things start yeah. to like back off a little bit, but I'll, but I'll like concede be like, this is me waving the white flag. Like no more for a little while. I just need a tiny exactly. break. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Boy>. awesome. <laughs> awesome. It's so true. It's so true. 
Ah, okay. Well, I, I have just loved this conversation. Where can people find out more about you? Where can they connect with you um, about coaching or about all of the amazing things that you're doing? So I post every day on Instagram, which is at least Wilcox. Um, my website is available at leastwilcox.ca. I have a podcast, which is called To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. And it's all really similar, really empowering content. Um, usually, It is amazing. Oh, I have so to much. tell you. Thank you I so much. <laughs> I'm so proud of it because it's just like, I don't know. It's so me. And I feel like it, it does a lot for a lot of people. It's so genuine. And I'm really, really proud of it. Um, but all of my content is very similar from platform to platform. People can can subscribe to my newsletter. Um, I'm offering a group coaching program that I'm really excited about that will be open for pre-sale, I think October, November, uh, and then goes live in mm. January. Um, so that information should be on my website by, by November. Um, but yeah, people can send me a message on Instagram and we can just get that conversation going as to what next steps would look like. Awesome. And I will link to everything in the show notes, but for those listening, it's L-E-I-S-S-E. So that's how you spell Lise, just when you are looking her up, because I know everybody is going to, if they don't don't follow you already, they are going to immediately. That would be great. And if people subscribe to, I send it like a Friday love letter. And if people subscribe to that, then anytime I do offer something like a group coaching program or I announce something, I always give my subscribers like first crack with like, VIP pricing. And that's a really good thing to have. Um, and it's always just like a really nice (laughs) message delivered straight to you on Friday without ever having to log into Instagram and go through the scroll hole, as you say. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this time. I really am honored that you came on the show at around the campfire and, and, uh, I can just picture us having, you know, a, a hot chocolate and Bailey's. And roasting <laughs> there's, some there's a lot of plaid. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely a lot of plaid. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, it's my pleasure. Really awesome. and truly. Thank you so much for holding the space and just inviting me to be a guest. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> All right, mamas, that's it for today. For more info about this episode, you can check out the show notes at momcamplife.com slash podcast. Hang out with us on Instagram at momcamplife. And if you love this episode, please share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in and join us next time around the campfire.